Hello and welcome to License to Chill, the Margaritaville podcast. I'm Patrick McDonald. And I am Ryan Middledorf. It's your weekly 30-minute getaway, and I say 30 minutes interpretively. <laughs> it, it, it's yeah. like island time 30 minutes. It could be three days. We don't know. I have no idea. A little longer than 30 minutes because this interview was just too good. We're not going to cut this man off. No, 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 no. Ryan, who are we talking to today? So this week, our guest is an incredibly successful guitarist, singer, songwriter, and producer from Muscle Shoals, Alabama. He's a staple in the world of country music and is a 10-time CMA Musician of the Year recipient. He has been working with Jimmy Buffett and the Coral Reefers for years and is credited with such hits like It's My Job, Amarula's Son, and Back Where I Come From. He tells us he's the luckiest man in the world, and uh, I press him on that, and he proves it, but he also has unbelievable skill to back it up. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the legendary Mac McAnally. Mac McAnally, thank you so much for joining us. We're really excited to have you today. It's a pleasure to be here. I, I am so lucky to do what I do and call it a job. Uh, and I, and I'm I'm so uh, inhibited in the self-promotion aspect of things. Any help that I get from the outside world is the only help I'm going to get. So <laughs> I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Well, we, yeah. We, I mean, we are just such a massive admirers of yours. Um, uh, you know, not only your work with the Coral Reefers, but a lot of your solo work as well and everything you do. And, uh, you know, we, we can just tell that you're somebody that everyone around you just uh, truly, really admires you. Uh, and, it, you know, I think it speaks to your character and I think it speaks to just who you are as a person. Well, I, I, I was raised dried, as we say in yeah. Mississippi. I, I, everything everything that I've screwed up since then was not my parents' fault. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I, I come from a really good, really good hearted, open minded family. And uh, music is my favorite thing in the world. And it happens to be the only thing that I'm worth a crap at. You know, <laughs> So how, how fortunate is that when you line up to where you know, the only thing you know how to do is, is what you get to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you come from a musical family? Yeah, my mom was a gospel piano player, played with the uh, all the southern quartets and stuff that would come through our, in, in the old days in, in, in rural south, the well-known quartets wouldn't, they wouldn't take a band or an accompanist. They would just pick one up and go maybe 75 miles. Wow. And so my mom, when the Blackwood brothers of the Spear family would come through our part of the country, she would play, you know, about 75 miles worth of gigs with them and she was really good and she forced me into piano lessons against my will uh as a kid and then after a couple of years of that i negotiated the guitar just because you can take that to the lake you know yeah. pianos are tough <laughs> and we, a little heavy and we, we didn't have air conditioning you know so right. there was an there was an appeal to the outside uh and that's, I think that still translates into the, being a coral reefer. We like the outside, you know, yeah. we, we, we play inside shows, but we're really trying to make the inside feel like the beach. Yeah. And we're trying, when we go to Milwaukee, we're trying to make Milwaukee feel like the beach. You know, that's that we, we bring the beach to people who not, not necessarily able to go on a given Saturday night. You know? Totally. Yeah. I mean, you, you all, you know, bring that vibe on stage. Um, is that something that, you know, the band has been together for so long. It just feels like when you're there, it just clicks, you know, you're automatically brought into that party. Is that just something that over time you all have kind of developed and, you know, able to provide that for fans? I, I think of it as pretty much just like a, I'm going to, like a pancake syrup that just pours down from Jimmy just to, <laughs> onto everything else that he's connected to. You know, he's just this big rolling ball of goodwill. Mm -hmm. And, and it, it, when pe people 
generally coming to our show, we're not there because we're promoting a brand new album at least three years out of four. We're there because we love to play, yeah. because Jimmy loves to play more than anything else. And, you know, he hasn't needed the money in a long time. He loves he loves to play. And people know that we want to be there. We're not there because we got bills to pay. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's my second family. And there's nothing better in the world than than taking that that goodwill that is Jimmy and sending it out yeah. to, to it, whatever town we're going to. It doesn't make any difference because people people come and they expect to have a night off. Maybe they can't go a vacation for a week to the beach, but they can go one night to, to Detroit or Cincinnati or wherever we are and 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 feel like they're there yeah. and, and get all of the release that you might get from the hindrance of traveling for a week and, you know, and given what they get for that, it's a pretty good deal. They yeah. get a good deal. We get a really good deal because they give us good energy back. It, we feel better every night when we play too, because of the crowd. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's an exchange. It's, you know, that's the way it should be. Yeah. It's an energy. I, yeah. I, um, uh, I, you strike me as somebody who, uh, kind of always, you know, kind of puts their head down and does the work and, and you really care about the work. Um, uh, that's true. Yeah. It, yeah I, I, and I, I really admire that, but I'm, I'm curious to know if there was a time where you looked up after a while, keeping your head down and you were like, Oh, I'm actually pretty good at this. Is that, did you ever have a moment when that happened or? You know, my whole mindset for my whole life, and, and I don't know exactly, maybe it's the small town sort of farmer aspect of things. I come from farmers, but I've always felt like barely adequate to whatever task. Yeah. And it that served me well in that I've always felt like I had to do my absolute best just to be okay. And from four or five decades of feeling that way, you end up getting better. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I don't, I, totally. I, I'm not able to say that I'm good at it, you know, because yeah. I have so many heroes that I perceive as being way better than I am at this. But I love, I love how I sleep at night knowing I gave it my best, knowing yeah. I did my best, whatever I had that day that I gave it to them. Yeah. And, and I love the people that I work with. Whether I'm a session player or a session background singer or whether I'm a producer, what I call the produce section, like that's what we're, we're doing th this evening after we rehearsed. Mm -hmm. I was working in the production of Jimmy's new record, but mm -hmm. uh, I'm in the service of music and in the service of my friends, people that I care about. It's yeah. just a wonderful thing, you know, yeah, and, yeah. and, and all of those things, music deserves the best I got. Maybe it even deserves better, but at the very least it deserves the best I've got. <laughs> and, and, and my friends do too. So it's a, it's a good way to wake up in the morning and it's a good way to lay down and go to sleep at night knowing <laughs> you have that task and that, and that you did it. Uh, you know, if, if in fact you did, yeah. I don't always get there, you know, but, <laughs> right. but if, if I gave it what I had, I sleep pretty good. Yeah. What was the moment in your life where you realize that, uh, you know, I, I think music is, is going to be it. You know, they tell me, I, I, I clearly was not cognizant at the time, but they tell me when I came home from the doctor's office, which, which is how we were born in Mississippi. I wasn't born at a hospital, I, but we were, I had to go across the state line to get to a doctor's office from wow. my hometown in Mississippi. But, uh, but apparently they, they kind of, the family came and passed by the crib and one of my grandmothers said, he's got the call to preach, which is something they say in the South, yeah. you know, you're gonna, you're gonna grow up and be a preacher. And my other grandmother, my mom's mom said, he's got the call to preach music. That's what she said. Hmm. Wow. When, you know, when I was just a little redheaded 
basically a basketball with hands and feet. Uh, <laughs> my head's always been way too big. <laughs> uh, but at any rate, that's what they said. They decided that. And they didn't know that you could make a living playing music. You know, my mom, she played all the time, played at church, played for weddings, played for funerals. As far as I know, she never charged anybody a nickel. It's what she felt called to do. It was her gift, you know. And although I have to pay the electric bill with, with what I do, I still look at it like she did. It's mm -hmm. something I get to do. I feel like I'm doing what I was put here to do, yeah. uh, which is another good way to wake up and go to sleep every day. If you feel like you're doing what you're here on earth to do, whether I'm that good at it or not, that's still a great thing, you know. Where did you find uh, or when did you find the realization that you were you know a, a great performer but also an incredible songwriter i mean some so many of your songs are some of my favorite songs that jimmy does and some of oh, my favorite songs in their own rights you know from it's my job to back where i come from like you know all sorts of you know where did you find that you had a unique special voice that you wanted to spread i was always attracted to storytellers yeah. uh we had we had some great ones in my hometown the old men who sat on the park bench and whittled and and exaggerated pretty much as a living that's just kind of what and, and, <laughs> and i grew up around from that yeah <laughs> i grew up around those guys and they were really good and i i had the the wherewithal to keep my mouth shut and listen to them talk and there's and 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 going with my mom to so many church services and stuff i listened to a lot of preachers i'm named after a boxer i'm a junior from my father my father was named after a, a preacher and a boxer I tell everybody that we're a violently religious family, <laughs> but but I went to church a lot because my mom was always playing, you know, for all day singings and and revival meetings, the tent stuff, and so I heard a lot of preaching, and you learn stuff from that because those guys are storytellers too, and the the ones that I liked were the ones that didn't beat you over the head with their point, the ones that maybe set up a scenario in which you actually draw the conclusion at the end of it. And and that's not anything I set out to do as a songwriter, but it became part of of how when I, when I began to write, I didn't even know what writing was. I wasn't trying to write songs. Mm. They just sort of blurted out of my mouth initially. The first few things that I wrote just literally fell out in the amount of time it takes to sing them, like, like I'd learned them out of a book. Mm. And I was like, Gosh, that must be how people write songs. They must just sing them. <laughs> and, and I had three or four that came that way. Wow. And then I said, well, you know, then about two years later, nothing else came. I said, well, maybe maybe sometimes you got to work on them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and then that's the other thing. That's the other yeah, thing yeah. I had to learn about. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have minded if they just kept falling out of my mouth, yeah, but yeah. they didn't. So I had to work a little bit. <laughs> but at any rate, the I, I would not have had enough confidence to to say this is good. And I never would have gone to anybody on earth. I didn't even play my songs for my parents. Wow. I'm so, I was such a bashful kid. So for me to be here talking to you as somebody who has had any hangnail of success in, yeah. in the music business required like six Old Testament miracles daisy chained together. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Because I I just was so bashful. And, yeah. Well, uh, I yeah, I'm curious if there's one specific moment you can think of where, because like you're saying, I mean, I, I, I know people like that that just say, I could never, I could never. And if you said I could never, you did, you know? So yeah, do you have but, any moment where you remember like kind of being bigger than yourself and, and going for it? I, I'm the opposite of everything that you should do. I'm the don'ts of, of, of show business. <laughs> and, 
And I was really raised as a farm kid. You know, you're raised that it's not a quality of character to call attention to yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, sometimes the only directive of show business is to call attention to yourself. And I don't have any of that. And but I kept working, kept writing songs and uh, played in a couple of honky tonk bands as a sideman. And. <laughs> it's the, the the plumage. Oh yeah, <laughs> we got some admirers at yeah. our window. Yes. Yeah, it yeah, is, yeah. It's kind of funny when we're on the road because we'll stay in a town. We stay in the same hotels a lot every year, and mm-hmm. so the fans become acquainted with where we're staying. And a lot of times they're standing outside the hotel with with albums, vinyl that they'd like sure. to get signed and oh. stuff. And I, I'll walk out, and you know, and, and, and here comes the sharpie, and and uh, you know, I, I'm happy to be there. I'm happy to and and Jimmy will come out behind me with a with a baseball cap on and get on a bicycle and shoot me a bird and ride away. You know, <laughs> you know, because he, he can actually be anonymous. You know, right, I, right. I, this is hard to you know. The, it's hard to hide. The, the plumage is a little hard to hide. So. <laughs> And we don't want you to hide it back. No, 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 absolutely no, no. Not. I'm, I'm, I'm proud to be here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what I was saying though yeah. is, uh, the the people asked me to play in bands, and then I, I was playing bands above the Tennessee line, where I grew up, because I grew up in a dry county. There were no no nightclubs, no place to play except church. And I'd only played in church, and wow. to play in a band, you had to go across the state line to Tennessee, and there were honky tonks up there, and my parents allowed me to go play in bands because they wanted me to learn to play with other musicians and and they would have never gone in a honky-tonk ever Mm. uh just quick quick aside but the first band i ever played in up there was called dean and the reefers (laughs) no way that's the name of the you talk circle of life yes so this guy came to my parents house and and said he wanted me to play in a band with him at at a honky-tonk called the circle e club in iron city tennessee and i my parents had never been in a honky tonk and were never ever going to go in one. Both teetotalers, both very religious, and I thought they were about to throw this guy off the porch. But he said, "You know, I know you want your son to be a musician. I heard that, and and I'm a good Christian man, and I'll look after him, and I'll make him behave himself, and I'll come down here and I'll pick him up." I was 13 years old, so I was I was eight years from being legal at the place I was going to play, hmm. but. And I still was saying they're about to throw him off the porch, but he kept talking and said, I'll look after him. I'll take, I'll pick him up. I'll bring him back, which was an hour drive either way. And I'll pay him 250 bucks a week cash. And somewhere in their presentation, (laughs) they were sold. And that weekend (laughs) I was, I was wearing like a horrible lime green leisure suit that Friday night playing country songs that I'd never heard in my life. With wow. Dean and the Reefers. Wow. That's amazing. And That's crazy. Thrown right into it, 13 years old. Yeah. And and Dean and the Reefers was painted on the side of his van. And Dean, he's a good guy, but he didn't know what the word reefer meant. <laughs> I was going to say. He just thought it was a cool sounding word to the point that he painted it on his van. And, <laughs> That's and, a, that maybe a step too far. He's, he's, a, he's a crew cut guy. You know, right, he, right. he worked at the body shop at the Ford place in Muscle Shoals. Wow. And he could never understand why the hippies kept giving us the peace sign when we drove by you know and like yeah we didn't have the heart to tell him you know yeah. you, you painted it on your van dude you know, that's, <laughs> i mean i didn't know much more than that because i was 13 yeah but we played rough places yeah i was afraid to get off the stage mm. i played piano in in those days because everybody else was already a guitar player and nobody played piano so i had to be the piano player but i would played those bars and the Muscle Shoals studio musicians would come up to those bars because there were no bars in Muscle Shoals either. That was a dry county. Yeah. So the studio guys would come up there and listen to bands. And, and a couple of them, when, when we took a break, 
I would pull out my guitar and just practice acoustic guitar behind the piano on the stage. And they, they came up and started listening to me practice guitar, and they said, we don't have an acoustic guitar player at the studios in Muscle Shoals. Do you want to play some acoustic guitar in the studio? And I, like I said, I never asked anybody. I never told anybody I was good. But I was like, yeah, I'll play. And so I started going and playing in the studio. And one night we had a session booked, and the artist missed their plane. And we, so we had a band and a studio and no artist. And they said, well, who's got a song? <laughs> and everybody else that was in there was a regular. So they'd all, they'd all cut all their songs. Mm-hmm. And they said, you got a song? And I got nothing. It went around about three times. And and finally, the engineer who who had known me a little bit, he said, he's, he's really bashful. He's got songs. And just make him play something. And the first record that I ever put out was a song called It's a Crazy World. And I, I played, I wrote it when I was 16. And I played that song, and they went, oh, yeah, we're making a record on you. We're going to cut an album on you. Just like that? Just like that. I never knocked on any door. Wow. My parents had not heard that song. And and we made a record of it. And and I I was like, these guys are crazy. I'm just going to hang around long enough to prove them wrong. Right. Yeah. You're not going to say no either. Yeah, no. So we made a record, and we went out. And and that record came out and and went in the charts. It was – a top 40 pop record and like mm-hmm. top five in what was then the easy listening chart. And the same guy that gave me the deal was the same guy that had given Jimmy his first deal with ABC Dunhill. Wow. And, Full and, circle. And he sent Jimmy a copy of my first album and said, this kid's from Mississippi like you. He's a storyteller like you. He, he, tell me what you think. And and Jimmy sent me a, a, a nice little note that said, we're both we're both hometown folks, and we're going. I like what you're doing. And we're going to be friends. We're, I'm going to sing some of your songs, and I bet we write songs together. And you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. And you never know whether somebody in our, our business means what they say. If you said nobody did, you'd be right more times than you're wrong. But he meant all of that stuff. And and Jimmy, all of the ambition that I was born without, he has enough extra for a county of people. You know. <laughs> and, and I and I say that as a as a I'm proud that he does totally. because I have benefited from it. He's been an advocate for what I do for all of those years. And and so much more than what he said was going to happen in the beginning has happened. We've been places I would have never gone. And jobs that I didn't know existed, like record production, I get to do now very much because of Jimmy. You know, he's been an, such an advocate for what I do over the years. I got to I got to brag on him a little bit like he needs more bragging. We're we're trying to get him, you know, going. Yeah, yeah. I I, I see some potential in him. Hey everybody, we just want to take a quick break to talk to you a little bit about the Margaritaville Perks program. This thing is amazing and it's uh not like your typical hotel loyalty program with tears and restrictions and all that confusion it's a really fun simple and easy way to get rewarded for booking direct and staying at your favorite margaritaville that's right there are so many personalized options for you to have an enjoyable experience at a margaritaville using these margaritaville perks you can select these options during your booking process or at the front desk but some of them include uh complimentary cocktails a fruit and cheese plate a movie pack early check-in late checkout uh room upgrades resort credits, retail discounts, all sorts of things. Uh, This really takes your stay in a Margaritaville to the next level. So go to margaritavilleperks.com and sign up today. Back to the episode. Um, I want to ask what your your parents' reaction was to hearing that you were going to cut an album. 
you know, by the time that that came about, they had they had li- listened to a lot of what I was listening to: John Prine, mm-hmm. yeah. Randy Newman, Steve Goodman, Leon Redbone, Jimmy, yeah. Uh, Steve Good, yeah, the, the, that Ry Cooter. I was listening to the, the sort of singer songwriter James Taylor and Cat Stevens, and and I was I've was and have always been a Beatle freak from the studio stuff, and so they had listened to a lot of what I was listening to, and they didn't know these songs existed. So when that record came and they got to hear those songs, they were like, okay. There is there's a path because they didn't really know there was a career path other than being a music minister at a Baptist church. Mm. That's probably in their best case scenario what was going to happen for me when I got to make that record. Well, my dad, he was the principal of the elementary school when I was in elementary school. He was the assistant principal of high school when I was in high school. And he gave me permission to to drop out of high school to play in a band. Wow. And so he got all kinds of grief for it and i wouldn't have done it without his permission i said you know you're you're going to get the heat from this but i i think this is what i'm supposed to be doing and he's like i think it's what you're supposed to be doing too i'll take the heat but when that album came out and went in the charts my dad could could walk to town and sit down with those guys whittling at the park bench and hey hey, you know i wasn't all wrong about the kid (laughs) no yeah Yeah. Because he loved John Prine and Doc and, and Doc Watson and those folks that I that I was all of a sudden getting to open shows for. Yeah, uh, it, it 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 meant a whole lot to him, and it vindicated you know his decision for all you know because the rest of the faculty at Belmont High School thought he was nuts, you know, for letting somebody they deemed to have at least modicum of intelligence drop out of high school because it's you're just a statistic. It's a terrible. It was a terrible thing to do mm-hmm. in retrospect, but. But it was a leap of faith that he took for me, which which actually bolstered me, you know, as as I went about the business of of, of trying to fit into this this show business that I don't really fit into. Yeah. But what I do now is is kind of ideal for me because my nature is more of a sideman. I like to be of use. I want to I want to be a, a guitar player, a harmony singer, somebody that wrote a song for somebody with more ambition than me, you know. If I write a hit song now, I call one of my buddies that's already got a bus and a plane and a personal trainer and say, go, you know, yeah, <laughs> run, totally. run, run with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll wait at the mailbox and, and everybody will yeah. be great. You know, well, That's a question I had, too. I mean, you've worked with so many incredible artists, and, and I think a lot of people look to you as uh, a really wise voice in how they're creating their music. Uh, did you have to learn how to collaborate with people? Did you have to learn how to uh, work with other people and say learn how to say no? And, and, and I, I haven't gotten that one yet. <laughs> Or are you the ones to teach you? Yeah. yeah. It's not happening tonight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. People just throw a blanket over me and drag me out of the room. It's, they, they know I'm not going to say no. You know, it's, 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 Jimmy's done that a few. Oh, no, he, yeah. <laughs> we got it covered. But the fact that I've gotten to work with folks is, is just that much more of, of a blessing. But the, the work itself is the deal. The music is the thing. Yeah. And you know when when people ask how much money do you make for a number one record or or it, it, what's it like to play in 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 front of 20,000 people I mean, it's it's the same it's the same as it's like to play in front of five people music is its own reward mm-hmm. it is the reward if you if you were sideways enough to think that that money is a bigger deal than that then you then you missed it i'm not saying money's bad at all mm-hmm. but there's more joy in music 
than yeah. there is in any dollar bill I've ever seen, or in, in, you know, any any increment of, uh, you know, and there's a lot of increments of money that I haven't had access to, so I could be <laughs> I could be totally wrong about about the one percent stuff. Might all change. Yeah. <laughs> but from where I sit, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. music and family it will get me through the rest of my life anyway. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. I know there's a lot of joy for you as well in lifting up others and other musicians, right? Being of use. You know, most people's mom, when you walked out, you know, boys are going to be sort of mischievous by nature, and I was no different than anybody else. But when I went out the door in the morning, what my mom said to me was, make some use of yourself. And as opposed to just saying, be good or behave or and and I took that to heart. You know, I, I like being of use, whether it's as a singer or or a guitar player or a producer or an arranger or a writer. I, I'm lucky enough to, or an engineer. I get to do all of those things. But I don't care if I'm just the guy that's going and picking up the to-go food. I'm of use to, mm. to, to in the service of A, music, and B, people whose dreams are music. Yeah. And and some of those have vested a lot more in those dreams than I really did, you know, because I, I never picked up roots and went to New York and banged on doors and said, please, please hear me. I, I happened to grow up 45 minutes from Muscle Shoals, Alabama, where the studios were there. And I wouldn't have even ever gone to Nashville, which was two and a half hours. But I could go to Muscle Shoals and fail and get back home for supper time, and it wasn't that big of <laughs> I, I didn't put that many chips on the table, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, it, and it worked out just the proximity to it's, it's such a cool Muscle Shoals is an awesome place to the musicians that I was exposed to there the producers I got to work with some great record producers uh, Jerry Wexler you know from yeah. Atlantic and, and Rick Hall and and uh, and George Martin came there and we did you know there were always great record producers coming through and I got to study in in the seminar of what they were doing i'm just sitting there sponging it all up mm-hmm. doesn't make me good but i had a chance to be i had a chance to get to hear some really good stuff and 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 i picked up a even if i got a 20 you know a little bit of it mm-hmm. I'm, I'm worth having hanging around at this point yeah. still you know and so i'm, I'm grateful for all that and yeah. do, do you feel like, you know, now being as accomplished as you are, are you still picking up stuff, you know, working with Jimmy and the rest of the oh, band? All the time. Yeah. All the time. And, you know, I did, because I've been at this so long, uh, I noticed maybe 20 years into into this endeavor that there's a fair amount of folks don't put much effort into getting better after they're maybe 35 or whatever they are at that point is kind of what they are. And and I, I don't want to say you coast on out, but you, you you rest on those laurels. And I took note of people who were still trying to get better, still still working at it, still giving it everything. And and those sort of became my second set of heroes, the the ones that are still trying to get better. And and I'm in a band with quite a few of those folks. Peter Mayer yeah. uh, is a just enormously gifted singer, musician, writer. But he is so much better now than he was when he was 35 years old. And he was amazing then. Yeah. But he's, he, he, he works on it every day. He works harder than I do. And I work fairly hard. <laughs> but he's an inspiration. You know, and there's several folks in the band that are that way. Uh, and, and several folks in the band are just supremely gifted as well. Yeah. But w- when you have that and, and a work ethic 
you know, then then you're you're kind of in a narrow category at that point. Totally. And, I, do you feel like you're uh, kind of having uh, learning lessons or having revelations pretty frequently? I'm, I'm trying to think, is there any sort of kind of new life lesson you recently learned in the past couple weeks? I, I <laughs> Just the last couple weeks, life lesson. I just barely dodged an accident on 4th Avenue. <laughs> what did you learn I'm from that? <laughs> I, I, I validated that life is better than the absence of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's good to remind yourself of yeah, that that's every a now nice thing to, to, to just r- roll back around every once in a while. <laughs> just the chorus, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it, always. There's always yeah. stuff to learn. I, 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 because I've been a songwriter so long, and, and I've always had some self-doubt that is li- literally part of what makes me go. So I don't, I'm not poo-pooing the fact that I have it. Yeah. It's, it's of use to me as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, but the things... The things that were bursting to come out of me, the thing, whatever conclusions I drew from adolescence, when everything's the most important thing in the world, you know, through through your twenties, what is inside you comes out pretty easy. What happens as you continue to work is you have you have standards that elevate. I want I want to write better songs. I want to write more concise work. I want to I want to play it better and record it better and sing more in tune. All of those things are sort of a spiraling set of standards that get harder to meet. It gets harder to do to please yourself. If you're if you're naturally inclined to not be pleased with yourself, it keeps getting harder. And you you begin to question at a certain point whether you have anything left to say, which is is a tough that's a tough spot, but really it's, I don't think it's that you have nothing left to say. I think you just got to work harder to find because you have all your own work to tiptoe around. You can't say, you know, if you, I can't write back where I come from again, you know, that's, mm-hmm. I can't write. It's my job again. I already said that, right? you know, and I, and I don't want to dilute it by trying to say it again. I want to get around that and say something else. So my, my uh, comparison is, it, you know, it's like the last few bites of crab meat you got to work really hard to get them it's still <laughs> good got to get to the tip of the claw <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it's, you just got to put a little more effort into getting it out of there and yeah. i'm you know i got spare time still i, I got I'm, i don't have anything else i'm good at I, can, <laughs> I, I play a little bad golf and i play music that's about what i do and I, I hang with my kids um when you uh when you first synced up with jimmy did you have any indication at the time that this was going to you know snowball into what it's become no, and he didn't either. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, we just knew that we hit it off, and uh, and what it has grown into is because we lean on each other in in a really a really cool way. To, because the the things that he's not the most fond of doing in our business, I love doing. Mm. You know, he's Jimmy's he, he's a constant idea man. They're just they're just exploding all the time. He would. You know, he would he would be his own nebula if you you know if 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 he sat around by himself for two weeks he would <laughs> uh, and and I like uh, I'm a detail finish carpenter I, I like uh, I, when I have one thing on my mind I'm gonna I'm gonna relentlessly pound that one thing until it's as good as I can make it be and that nature of mine interlocks well with his nature of, of tons of ideas because he's he tends to move on quick you know because yeah. he's going to have more ideas and he knows he is you know mm-hmm. he trusts that and it happens so so the, the things that need detail work i can hang around and do that because that's my nature yeah. and 
And I know there's going to be more ideas. I don't worry about whether we're out of ideas because he's there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he'll get more ideas. He's got more ideas coming. coming. You, ju- you just you just got to be sandblasted by the amount of them and yeah. sort through them a little bit. Yeah, because <laughs> there's a lot of good ones. You know. Yeah. Are are there songs that uh, so when you're crafting a song, will you craft it specifically for Jimmy or for yourself, or when you finish it, you kind of realize like you know this might be more of a Jimmy song or this is something that I'd like to, you know, take a stab at. It, it, it works always, you know, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes, but, but a lot of times he specifically says, I want to, I want to talk about this. Mm. And, and, and we trust one another at the point this, this many years in, he can call me or send me an email. I want to talk about this. Uh, my, my favorite example of that is on the, uh, the far side of the world album. We cut that album in an airplane hangar up in the Hamptons. And because he just said, hey, this place sounds cool. Let's make a record in here, you know. <laughs> so we made a record in an airplane hangar. Wow. And and it was time to uh, mix it. And we're, we're coming to Nashville to mix the album. Uh, one of our favorite producers, Russ Teitelman, produced that album. That was before Mike and I started producing. But was the whole thing was joy. But Jimmy calls me. We had, we had one set of backgrounds left to sing that we didn't get sung up there. He was coming to Nashville to sing backgrounds on a Monday morning. He calls me on a Saturday. He says, I think we need one more song. I said, well, it's your record label. You know, we don't have to meet the deadline. He goes, oh, we're making the deadline. <laughs> and I said, well, uh, we're, we're doing the last recording Monday morning. He said, oh, yeah, I know. That's why I'm calling you. <laughs> On a Saturday. <laughs> what, are we, Saturday. what are we doing? I said, what's, so this, is this song, do we have an idea? He said, yeah. Yeah, I want to, I want to write a song that says sometimes the only thing in the world you need is your guitar. You think about it. Hmm. I'll think about it. What time are we singing Monday morning? I said, we're singing at 10 o'clock. He said, meet me at 8.30 at the studio. We'll write it and record it, and then we'll do the backgrounds. Really? So a a song that doesn't exist, he says, we're going to write between 8.30 and record (laughs) between 8.30 and 10 a.m. at a studio in Nashville he's never been to before. (laughs) Right up against the deadline. (laughs) Yeah. So, So I think about it, and he thinks about it. He comes in. They bring a box of donuts. We sit down in two little folding chairs. And uh, and they put microphones on both of us, and we both had a computer and a guitar, and and we wrote tonight. I just need my guitar, and recorded it, just sitting there facing one another, wow. with the with the whistling, and there's nothing on it except just us two. And then we sat and ate donuts and sang the backgrounds, and it, exactly what he said was going to happen mm-hmm. happened. And I don't know anybody else on earth, and I've worked with a lot of people. I don't know anybody else on earth who would have conceived that, endeavored it. And expected it to happen and made it happen, mm-hmm. yeah. except him. So I'm I got to brag on Jimmy a little bit. That's ama- that's one of my favorite songs from the songs you don't know by heart album. Oh, well. thank you. When you yeah. guys did that, yeah. that was such. And when he laughs at himself when he says with no immediate yeah. plans, yeah. that was like my COVID. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, anthem because that was like the <laughs> irony of this song right now. Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, COVID because he's constantly in motion. COVID was a trick for, for Jimmy. It was yeah. hard. Yeah. Uh, and and that album meant a lot to both of us because mm-hmm. it meant that we still got to do the thing that we do in some form. Yeah. And for quite a few quite a few Fridays early on in the pandemic, we we did a Zoom with first responders and medical professionals. We'd we'd put like thirty on a Zoom meeting and let them ask him questions and we'd play songs. Even though we were in different places and they were totally out of sync, I, I, I can't imagine that it that musically it was rewarding. But the fact that we were trying mm-hmm. is uh 
meant something, you know, and it meant something really special to all those folks, and it meant something to us to hear what they were going through because they were sitting there facing that virus that, that was an unknown demon yeah. every day, you know, look, picking people up and working on people and trying to yeah. save their lives. And, you know, we were just playing a guitar, but it's it, at least, it did, you know, we were helping a little bit. What what do you attribute? There is a special sauce between you two. You can feel it on stage. You can feel it in the albums. What do you think that is? Well, there aren't a lot of people that write at a high level, perform at a high level. Jimmy's always had a. I'm I'm a storyteller on stage. My my shows are in smaller listening rooms. You know, you put 200 to 500 people in a room. That's where I flourish, what I do. Uh, but he's a fan of of that aspect of me. So when, when he talks to me about the set list, he knows I'm thinking about it as not just a writer, but as a musician and as a performer. And it matters what how many up-tempo songs and when you put where you put the ballads and where the stories mean something. He knows I'm drawing on a lifetime of doing that when we, we when we talk about our set lists. So he he leans on me to be a, I, I'm a sort of an advisor in that regard, and he's the same for me. Uh, he does the same for me, you know. And he comes, and and he he'll say, "This is great. You you drug this story out too long, you know." <laughs> he's and 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 he, and he knows what he's talking about. He's yeah. he's as good as I've ever seen at making a large group of people feel like they're intimate, mm-hmm. feel like they're in a living room with somebody. That's a gift. Yeah, and. Uh, I say it to him, and I've said it with regard to myself. Sometimes you, you have to be careful what you make look easy, <laughs> because <laughs> because he looks like he's not doing anything, but he's, you know, he's working. Right. And and we both have to a certain degree a muscle that you can't develop with any treadmill on earth. The the only way the performance muscle is, you have to get on stage and fail and succeed and draw conclusions from both of those things, and get better. Yeah. And he's done that for so long in ideal circumstances and in horrible circumstances. You know, everybody's good on a perfect night. <laughs> right. what, what do you like you know, when you've got a stomach virus and, and, <laughs> and you're barely hanging on to some relationship? And, <laughs> right. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's when you have to be good. That's that that's that's the measure of entertainers is not 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 your best night. Everybody's best night is pretty amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and how can you make how can you make the worst case scenario send people home happy? Yeah, that's wow. that's a, that's a measure of an entertainer. Hey everybody, if you enjoy License to Chill, then you might want to pop on over to SiriusXM and check out Patrick and I on Friday nights for Friday nights with Patrick and Ryan. We are hosts on SiriusXM Channel 24, Radio Margaritaville. Uh, we host from 7 to midnight, Key West time, we like to say. Fins up! Uh, and we get your weekend started off right. But uh, if you're not listening to us, listen to the large array of incredible hosts on Radio Margaritaville. We make sure to get you in that island spirit any moment of the day, including the Buffett Buffet, where we play nothing but Jimmy Buffett for a whole hour at 11 a.m., 3 p.m., and 7 p.m. Check out SiriusXM on your dial, in your car, or download the SXM app wherever you get your apps. We'll see you there. Back to the show, guys. Pivoting a little bit, we uh, uh, on the show... 
love to talk to some of our favorite, most hardworking artists and figure out how they relax, how they yeah. vacation. It's such a hard thing for so many people to take a minute away from their lives. Are you able to do that? I mean, you you have such a uh, uh, such a work ethic. Are you able to shut that part of your brain down, or do you want to? Or I can't. You know, there there are there are songs and 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 some Tetris problem of record making that's always that's always going and I don't want that to go away yeah. but I also don't want that to, to take away from the joy of being a father with my daughters and 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 it doesn't I, I love I'll, I'll stop anything and, and hang with my daughters and I, and it's always been that way I'm I, I'm basically a child masquerading as a parent you know <laughs> like I'm I'm so glad to have kids, and I've got three great kids, but they're pretty much camouflaged because I was going to be hanging out in the toy section anyway, hoping they made some new rubber ball that I didn't see yet. You know? That's, which is creepy, you know, if you're not a parent, you know. Right. At, at so past, you lucked out. Past fifty years old, that's a little weird. Yeah, you know? they have an alibi. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Well yeah, they they, they camouflage for me. <laughs> That's amazing. So, so yeah. So, do you guys go on big trips together? Do you have any? You know, you guys are like kind of the the experts of uh, vacation. I would love to know if there's any well, vacations we, you've we, gone on that we, have gone wrong. Because because of where I get to go work wise, I don't do vacations. Really, you know, I, don't, I, I don't. Because I go amazing places. When yeah. when I get time off, I've got an awesome place in, in Muscle Shoals that I love. It's sort of musical home for me. That's mm-hmm. that's that's sort of a muse, and the fact that I have that makes it cool for me to make music anywhere else in the world I am because I know that's there. I'm, I'm enough of a small town guy that I sort of need that as a, as a, an umbilical cord to there, you know, but I, I like next week I'm going to new Orleans to record the preservation hall band on one of the songs on the new record. Wow. But that's better than any vacation I could think yeah. of. You know, I mean, I don't. I don't deserve a vacation. That, yeah. I, that, that's too much fun. I've already. <laughs> I'm having that at work. You know, yeah. that's that's yeah. my work. Yeah. Um. Yeah. When you are out on tour, do you take time to get out and explore? Oh, sure. Yeah. I. I it's sort of best of both. I've always got a little record rig with me. Mm-hmm. I can I can overdub on something, or I can edit audio in the room if I if if something's troubling me to the point that I'm not able to enjoy going to play golf or yeah. something. I can uh, deal with that. But usually I can get it all done in the same day, you know, because I'm not the most social guy, but everybody that I'm traveling with is is my second family. So we love having cool meals together. We kind of know where we're eating in most every town we go to at this point because we (laughs) we got favorites everywhere. And, And there's three or four of us that are golfers, including Jimmy. We usually won't go play a whole five hour round of golf, but we'll go play nine holes and rib one another. And who's got the best game right now? Well, Jimmy's got the pencil. Okay. <laughs> so now that don't matter. We're, we're, getting, we're getting our ass kicked. You know? <laughs> I thought I did better. I, well, I guess not. <laughs> I mean, so funny. The pencil wins. Yeah, know? that's right. It always wins. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so we've been doing something since we've been uh, talking to all the coral reefers this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been doing something now. Uh, we've been doing some superlatives. We've been uh-huh. trying to see uh, kind of one by one uh, what everyone's answer would be about uh, a, another coral reefer mm-hmm. in the band. So we wanted to go through these if you'd be willing. I will. Uh, I will submit. Okay. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> yes. Yeah. This is our this is our us weekly section. I should have should have not said anything about the not saying no stuff. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, we have that on tape. Yeah, man. That's, yeah, that's, that's right. right. Okay, that's right. <laughs> Everybody knows it. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So uh, uh, class clown. Who would you give class clown? 
Well, that's probably Hakey in our crew. Okay, I'd, okay. I'd say, yeah, that's, that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Hakey's, okay. he's, and he's a good one, too. He, yeah. he, he lifts spirits all over. Oh, that's great. Making yeah. everybody laugh. Yeah. Love that. All right. Um, I feel like you've won the award for this one so far. Uh, best hair. Uh, yeah. Most everyone says Mac. It's been almost <laughs> unanimous. Yeah. You know, that uh, people walk by. I couldn't figure out why people were telling me that at rehearsal today. You know, I said you had the best hair. Yeah. <laughs> 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 but honestly, I'm I'm going to go Tina. Uh, okay. Tina, okay. Because my hair is actually technically a shrub. Okay. <laughs> I didn't Doesn't know qualify. that. Okay. Yeah, that's. <laughs> so you have to water it. And yeah, it's, yeah, its own genus. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna disqualify myself. Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Fair All right. enough. Fair enough. Uh, most fashionable of the group. Wow. It changes a lot. But I'm, that would be crew too. That's Charlie Hood and the crew. But uh, okay. yeah, that's uh, yeah. I I, I I gotta give love to our crew too. That's, I love that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's you, great. I mean, your crew has been with you for a long oh, yeah. time. Oh no, well. yeah. No, when yeah. I say second family, I'm not just talking about everybody. the people on the stage. It's yeah. everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you have to you have to want out of our organization. <laughs> <laughs> You have to you have to file some papers. Yeah, that's, that's right. right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, biggest wild card. Someone who does the most unexpected stuff. Maybe our meek, mild-mannered bass player Jim Mayer, because he he's just he's got big things going in his head all the time. He's amazing. He's got, you know, he he'll write an anti-bullying campaign, and then he'll do a children's album and ride around in a onesie playing to elementary school kids, and he writes songs. You know, he he he, he does stuff that you wouldn't think was any any part of a bass player's mindset. Wow, yeah. that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that. And and it's and it's all good stuff. It, it's yeah. all stuff that makes the world better. So that's uh, really so I got to I got to give Jim some love. All right, oh, Jim that's great. Yeah. I love that. Um, okay, Mister or Miss Congeniality, the nicest in the group. Tina, no question about Tina. it. Tina, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was so nice speaking to her. She's she's so, a yeah. sweetheart. Just, so warm. She is radiates love. Yes. every yeah. direction, three hundred sixty degrees. And and what is wrong with that? Oh yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, okay, most long-winded storyteller. Who tells the longest stories? You've come up a couple times in this as well. <laughs> yeah, it's me. Uh, yeah, my family used to say it took me an hour and a half to watch sixty minutes. Uh, <laughs> really good. It's really good. Um, and then, last but not least, person with the most hidden talents. Hidden could be on stage or off. You know. I'll I'll go I'll go on stage and and our our senior citizen in the in the band although we're a band of senior citizens but <laughs> but Doyle uh, okay. Doyle's a pedal steel player and that's a pretty solitary job I mean mm. and you it's it's an unwieldy instrument that requires you using your knees in every direction and your feet up and down and and it doesn't have frets so it, you have to make it be in tune and you you do everything with your hands and it's got ten strings and two necks and most people that play steel guitar don't really much do anything else. And Doyle's a record producer. He's a guitar player. He's uh, he he does a lot of things that nobody knows that he does, and he's good at all of them. Mm. And he just happens to be a phenomenal steel guitar player too, which is really a hard instrument. So I got to give him some love. All right. Um, we have one last thing we like to do on our show. Um, uh, we ask every guest about their their dream vacations um, for specific amounts of time. This might be difficult for you because you don't go on yeah. a ton of vacations. So these can also be bucket list items that you would want to go to if you, you mm-hmm. know when you get the chance. Uh, it's a four prong question. So if you uh, were going to get away and you had a month, a week, a day, or an hour, mm-hmm. um, 
where would you go? So if you had a month to travel somewhere, where would you go? We've been a lot of amazing places, but but the the ones that I've had access to that I that I said I want to go back there and just sponge it up. New Zealand, New mm. Zealand, yeah, yeah. The the air. It's just literally as soon as we got off the plane and I went out and breathed, mm. I was like I would cut a check just to breathe this stuff, you know. <laughs> and people are so nice and it's beautiful and spacious. And I grew up, you know, I, I require a little bit of extra space. Having grown up in a town with nine hundred people, where that seemed like the right amount of space to me, right? And, yeah. And then you move where there's millions of people and and it seems crowded. You know, I I don't have anything against big crowds, but my nature is probably a, that of a small town guy. Mm. So. I would do a month. I'd do a month in New Zealand. Month in New Zealand. I yeah. love that. Okay. How about a week? Well, there's a lot of those, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I'd, well, I, I've never seen anything like Bora Bora. We went there and played at Bloody Mary's. I would do a week there. Yeah. 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 So who just Mike said Bora Bora, right? I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah Bora yeah. Bora. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys, can, we'll lump you in and send you there together. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's an attainable goal too. You know, that's that, right. Yeah. <laughs> that's doable. Okay, uh, you had to get away for a day, and and travel isn't included, so it, it starts when you get there. Well, that would be that would be somewhere I haven't been yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, because I I haven't really done because we're island band. I haven't really done a lot of Europe. We play Paris, we play London, we play Dublin. And and that's really all that I know about Europe. So, Italy, uh, I would, yeah. I, I, I need to go, and and I would want to be more there, more than a day. I know, but that's yeah. that's the place that I've, I'm supposed to have been that I haven't been yet. You know? yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, and an hour. Where are you going for an hour? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, you could go places you didn't like for an hour. Absolutely. <laughs> no one has said this yet. This is great. You do anything for an hour. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's some some of the places that I think I wouldn't like, maybe that would be one of those. You know? yeah, 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 yeah. Just to go prove yourself yeah, right. Just, just, yeah. <laughs> hey, I was right. <laughs> that really sucked. And it was only an hour. It's <laughs> actually a good a lot Check of that them. one off the I'm list. I'm not going to name one, but yeah. there's, it, would be, it, would be one, it would be that, a place that I would think I wouldn't like. I would go try to prove myself myself wrong great (laughs) uh well mac thank you so much for joining us today uh this has been a a real treat for us so we appreciate your time well for me as well and i and i appreciate i I appreciate the support that the station does on our behalf because i am i am so handicapped at self-promotion the fact that that anybody goes on the air and talks about something i did is is someone i owe a favor back to oh man uh, (laughs) well we are huge massive fans of you and we'll be we'll shout you from the rooftops awesome Uh, before uh we go actually uh you are playing in may at the snapdragon stadium um i'm the opening act on that that's right that's that's so exciting that is exciting i i you know I, i don't know if I've done a few little gig things where I where I'm the opening act basically because we didn't do a sound check. Jimmy's like, "Go play five songs and we'll see what that sounds like, and then I'll come out." You know, but the stadium's a little more formal than that. I'm, yeah, you know, no, I look forward to it. We're gonna yeah. have fun. Yeah. We're yeah. excited to see it. Absolutely. Uh, thank you, Mac. Again, really appreciate it. Thank you guys for putting up with me. I oh, of it. course, <laughs> it was our honor. Yeah. Patrick, that was Mac McAnally, the legendary Mac McAnally. I'm still pinching myself, Ryan. I can't believe that <laughs> it's my job to interview him. I, yeah. Very good. <laughs> Thank Very you so good. much. I'm going to head out. <laughs>
this was uh, part three of our mini series that we did in the Margaritaville Hotel in Nashville. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you can hear it in the episode. People were pressing up against the glass because they noticed his hair. I couldn't believe it. Which we should say, the almost undisputed best hair of the Coral Reefers, according to all the superlatives. That's right. Yeah, he's, he's right. getting up there. Yeah, yeah. You'll see Mac pop up in those pearls a couple more times. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. But Ryan, uh, every week on the show, we like to talk about something that we do that's very Margaritaville, whether it is uh, something directly involving a Margaritaville or not, something a little bit more of a state of mind thing. So, Ryan, what's something you did that's Margaritaville this week? So, this week, uh, I think this was very Margaritaville of me. I turned a run into a walk. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I went out for a run in my neighborhood, and I got about 15 minutes in, and you, I just said, forget this. <laughs> and I stopped, and I just started walking, and it was much nicer and more enjoyable. Yeah, good for you. Yeah, yeah, it That's was great. That's really nice. Good for you. Congratulations. Yeah, so take those breaks. Turn those runs into walks. Absolutely. Turn the run into a walk. What about you, buddy? Uh, well, this week, something I did that was very Margaritaville, I went camping, mm. uh, but I, of course, brought a camping hammock. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. That to me is uh, it's dual. You know, a camping hammock is pretty standard in a, uh, a camping situation. Very standard in a tropical situation as well. It's the it's the Venn diagram. It's where the two meet. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, I, I certainly used the camping hammock like it was a tropical hammock. I had a drink. I was reading a book. Ooh. I was hanging out. It was actually a big camping trip with about twenty other. Uh, people and there was like eight kids on this trip. Okay, and they came up and they said, "We want to get in the hammock." And I said, "Give me an hour." <laughs> <laughs> Which for a kid is <laughs> a lifetime. It's torture. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's, it's very Margaritaville. To, hey, you're not taking your hammock time for granted. No, no, no. Your hammock is sacred. <laughs> I love that. Exactly, Ryan. Uh, you know, it's crazy. It's time to check out. Oh, it is, isn't it? It is. So we've had a great time on the podcast this week. Thanks for joining us. I am Patrick McDonald, and I am Ryan Middler. We will see you all next week License to Chill is the official Margaritaville podcast produced by Tamara Baldanza Decker Courtney Watkins and Kirsten Winquest art by Tom Boyd music by Aaron McAnally and Mick Utley additional resources provided by Coleman Sisson new episodes are released every Monday subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts